Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome to a spooktacular edition of Que Olaso as we relive a weekend full of tricks and treats in Europe's top leagues as Manchester United lift their Premier League hoodoo while the Halloween horror show continued for Tottenham, Barcelona and Juventus fans. I'm joined by Jimmy Joe Exotic Conrad and Heath Luigi Mario appears to discuss this and much, much more. Que Golazo, which is going to be pretty. Pretty, pretty good. Begins right now. Everybody, welcome to Kegolazo. Happy Halloween. I hope you had a fantastic Halloween. And if you have a family and kids and stuff, I'm sure that you're busy right now stealing all their candy. Joe Exotic, how are you? I'm doing great, Larry. Thank you so much for having me on the show. It's uh it's a little lonely in the space that they've currently put me in, and uh, it's excited to get out and talk about the Budafil game. Or what? What are we? What's the? Mm-hmm. I tried. I tried. <laughs> <laughs> We'll get there. We'll get there, Joe. We'll get there. Listen, take care of yourself over there. But hey, where is your brother, Luigi? Uh, inside the house. Um, <laughs> there's a whole. There's a whole thing happening uh, outside of my hands. This was given to me. I was not given an option for my costume. Uh, this year for Halloween, but good to see you, Larry. This seems, uh, I don't know if a daily pod is really something that you would actually do. It seems a little bit of a nuisance. So hopefully you'll have a few annoyances throughout the, uh, about the episode today and just kind of let us know how you really feel. Cause that's one thing that Larry always does. He always lets us know what's on his, on his mind. Yeah, I don't care for this, to be quite honest. I'm just doing it. Just, uh, yeah. But anyway, welcome, everybody. This is Kegolasso, our weekend recap. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, Joe Exotic, Luigi Mario. Happy Halloween. If you're watching this live on YouTube right now, I can't emphasize this enough smash that like button please we want to hear from you as well get in the comment section share your thoughts ask a question get things off your chest and our producer desk will throw the best comments on screen and this is so anti-larry david by the way larry would be like go away leave me alone i don't want anything to do with youtube whatever that is called but anyway let's begin everybody let's talk oh by the way if you're listening on apple podcast which will be later on as well very nice of you Subscribe to Kegolasso Pod as well and take a minute to leave us a glowing rating and review. And by the way, you can do that right now while you listen. You don't even need to wait. So let's get going here. Premier League shakeup. Manchester United needed a big win. And to be honest with you, we said it in the weekend preview. So did Tottenham because Nuno is really struggling right now. And Manchester United get it done. 3 nothing against Tottenham. Spurs were pitiful. Jimmy Conrad, Joe Exotic, did Manchester United turn a corner or are Tottenham just really that bad? How'd you see this one? I'm tired of this roller coaster, Larry. You know, this El Sacico roller coaster with Ole Gunner. It doesn't look good for Nuno Spirit of Santo. I know we'll talk about him in a second. But with regard to Ole Gunner, he got his tactics spot on. I really feel like that's what prov- uh, proved to be the difference. But it was risky because he only started with three attacking players. Bruno Fernandes, Edinson Cavani, and Cristiano Ronaldo. And you have Luke Shaw as your wing back. 
And you have Aaron Juan Basak on the other side, who isn't really known for his offensive forays. At times, he can chip in, but doesn't do it as consistently as I think anybody would like. But it worked. They had Fred McTominay, McFred in the middle, and they really went with three attacking players, and they scored three goals against Tottenham, which really speaks more about Tottenham and the fact that they only – or actually, I don't think they got a shot on goal for the first time at home in a home game since 2013, which is shocking. So there's a whole lot to unpack, I think, from the Spurs side. But fair play, what you ended up having was some top attacking talent in this world doing the business and getting the job done. Because Bruno Fernandez, one of their three attacking players, set up Ronaldo. Ronaldo set up Cavani, and that was all the goals they needed until Rashford came on and really uh, put the cherry on top for, for Manchester United. But uh, they needed a response, read the Red Devils, and they got it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, interestingly enough, under the gun, he went with that back three, which I thought was really interesting. To, to, to take that kind of chance under the microscope that he's on. Makes you wonder what his fear was of, of making this effort to say, hey, the problem is in our attack. Yeah, we're going to create chances. Yeah, the attack isn't that cohesive, but we have world-class talent. Why not just lock down uh, defensively or, or, mm -hmm, or go mm -hmm. with the defensive lineup and then force our team to stay in games longer, stay in, in moments, and then allow our world-class stars to have to, or, or, or force them to have to create these moments. We've seen that they can do that. And so switching to that back three, I thought was really important uh, and, and just, a you know, maybe it was a roll of the dice. Maybe it was something that he was like, kind of like, I got nothing to lose. Now I'm up against, uh, kind of the ropes and, and I got to show something different, but it worked. And again, on the flip side, I know that, uh, Espiritu Santo's job is now being discussed by the board. Seems a little unfair. If you took the job and somebody said you get Harry Kane and somebody said you don't get Harry Kane, those are two different jobs, uh, in terms of the Harry Kane that you're actually getting. So I feel like that's a, some of that's really unfair of him. He had a lot of injuries early on in the season too, in terms of his back line depleted. I, I think it's a little bit unfair uh, what he's rolling out, though I do think that he he is also obviously at fault, same way that Ole's been at fault and Arteta, as, as I know we'll discuss, who's been at fault for for uh, a lot of the the failures of of um, Arsenal up till now. But with, with, with regard to Manchester United, again, I just really like the idea of, of them bunkering in or blocking down, closing off passing lanes, really making it difficult playing. They rolled out a defensive formation, as Jimmy mentioned. It was very defensive. And that then allowed them to make, the game became more clear, right? It was focused on defending, keep a clean sheet. And, and they did that. And we know that Manchester United are, I think, one of the worst in the league in terms of keeping clean sheets. So to be able to do that uh, against the Spurs team who, yeah, they're not very good right now, but it's still Spurs nonetheless. And you still have world-class talent on the other side of Spurs, albeit not in good form right now. Just overall, just, you know, I think it's a dangerous game to play to have given him this because now maybe he's starting to figure it out. I don't know how much you can figure out from that. But again, similar to Juventus where they were happy to play ugly. That's not working. I thought maybe that was going to be what they adapted to. If Manchester United can actually embrace all, if all the Eagles can buy into this type of system, they can make it difficult for teams and they're always going to get their options or opportunities to score with their world-class well, talent. I just want to jump in really quick, uh, Larry. Thank you for the platform to Chaw, go ahead. rediscuss. <laughs> rediscuss what I find interesting is that when we were discussing Antonio Conte taking over Manchester United, we looked at their squad. Uh, Conte only likes to play a back three. He likes having wing backs. There's no way this Man United team is set up to play that way. And Ole Gunnar rolls out a back three with two wing backs, and it works. I'm like, is this insane? Also, I will say that this is a lineup that I think we're going to see the whole week because Atalanta plays a back three, so now you can play them a little bit more straight up. And then against Manchester City, we saw that they struggle – against Chelsea at times, who have a back three and two wing backs, And I really feel like we're going to see this formation moving forward. And the issue with regard to everybody buying in, Heath, or excuse me, Luigi, is, is you have a pissed-off Marcus Rashford, who now has to probably get relegated to super sub status. you got Greenwood, who didn't even get off the bench. 
And and you've got these and Jane Sancho, who they paid eighty million dollars for. Like you have all of these players at your disposal, which is a great depth problem to have. But I think it's going to be pretty difficult to keep these guys happy if you're well, only so electing Chelsea. to play. So did Chelsea was doing the same thing, and they figured I, out how to get results last year. I mean, they had a true. bunch of expensive players that came in, and they were all being rotated week in, week out. Nobody knew their status, especially in the attack. But defensively, they were sound. And then you go, well, we'll figure it out. If we got to move a couple of you, then we'll move a couple of you. But if it leads to some sort of greater results or if they see themselves trending forward all of them can be like all right we could buy into this for one all season. right let's uh let's let's put the pin on united for a second because they did get that win so pretty pretty good for united but harry kane i got a question for you the larry david stare down here are you la are you harry happy at Tottenham right now because it's kind of re- you looked very disinterested there harry kane for the comment section everybody watching and listening Will Nuno still be in charge at Christmas? Reply yes or no. Even a Y or an N. We would love to hear from you. What do you make of Nuno and Tottenham? But to Luigi's point, it's not necessarily all of Nuno's fault. There was the stubbornness of uh, Levy wanting to keep Harry Kane and that also restricted and froze so many other options they could have done with the money and kind of resuscitated their squad. So I ask you, boys let's begin with joe here uh first of all how horribly wrong was our friend fabrizio sorry fab to throw you in under the bus here when you said that tottenham won the transfer window by keeping kane i don't know if that is true what do you think joe i think that that fab we love him he's fabulous fabrizio but i would say that he maybe didn't take into account the mental side of him being forced to stay, that there was going to be some drop off that you basically killed this guy's spirit because you didn't let him go. He had done everything that he had set out to do. And then some for, for Spurs outside of winning a trophy. That's fair. But, but everything else that was being asked of him, he was delivering both on and off the field, top captain, loved representing his club. And now he just wanted to make a move for the last few years of his career. While he still thought he was in his peak and they nixed that. And I could see why that could impact him. Now, you'd like to think he's going to get over it at some point, but I don't think that he is. And I think it's hard for him to regenerate. And I'm sure that he continues to get hassled by Spurs fans every time he doesn't score. Every time he doesn't play a good game, it just continues to pile on and the pile on the pile on. Like, ah, you should have just left then. Because imagine what they could have done with that $120 million if they just would have sold him and could have got some other players to go underneath that maybe would have re-energized the team in some ways, right? So there's a lot to, to really take stock of that I don't think Nuno's fault at all as manager I think he just kind of inherited a situation and I'm kind of pissed as a Newcastle supporter because now that Tottenham's looking for a manager if you're Eric Ten Hag let's say from Ajax you could have probably looked at Tottenham's team and you're actually interested going I'd rather work with that group because at least there's some talent there and then you look at Newcastle like nah you know there's yeah, like, but there's Jimmy, like you got deep guys. pockets you got G- deep pockets over they there in Newcastle that'd be pretty fun that'd be I, that's pretty true fun. that's true I get it I hope that happens maybe I'm reverse jinxing this we don't need to get into Newcastle talk because it's just a sad state of affairs right now but with regard to Nuno some of the signings that they did invest in didn't haven't really worked out and and I'm looking at Christian Romero in this particular instance I didn't think he looked great I think he's had more than enough time to catch the speed of the Premier League at this point and he's just one of, of many that I just don't and, you know, Heath always says it. you need a lot of players that are playing at sixes and sevens and eights every game to win. And I just don't feel like Spurs had enough of those guys and they haven't had them consistently all season long. Yeah. The last thing I would say on that is it, it just feels like the perfect storm, right? So new manager comes in, he's trying to figure things out. Then you have the Harry Kane debacle, which is much bigger than anybody would ever think it is when you have somebody 
who is going through that sort of emotional roller coaster, and it's a little bit of a fight with the board and who's going to stay and who's going to go, and then how, what those resources could be redeployed, as Jimmy mentioned. And I don't want to repeat all of that, but the thing that I think is also the the the, the twist to all of this is just like Jimmy said, there haven't been players that are that are playing well that even yeah. just played well last season, and so. If you're Harry Kane, you're coming back in, you're not scoring. What do you think happens? You want to do more, but now you're saying like, you feel like the whole world is against you, right? Like there's just this sort of like uh, karma type thing where it's all kind of falling back on you. The game's getting, the games are getting more and more, um, the, 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 I guess the expectations are going up for every match for him that he doesn't score, as Jimmy mentioned. So I think it's just a tough situation where it's a little bit of a perfect storm that you don't think would happen, right? You go, oh, you keep them, you know, we'll sell them on again in a, in a bit and the team will be fine. And then they go through injuries, they go through the changes and then he's out of form. Then you go, oh man, this looks really, really bad. Whereas if two of those boxes went well, the team was getting results despite him, um, then he could step in and feel like he could find his rhythm again. But as soon as he stepped back in or the expectations went back on him again, they're expecting him to score multiple goals a game. And if that's in your head as a striker, I don't care what strikers you, there's very few that aren't form strikers in the world, right? He's a natural goal scorer. Don't get me wrong, but he's a form striker. When he's in form, he, he he's just sort of like Mo Salah is in the in, in for Liverpool right now. It just seems like everything goes in, and when it doesn't, you can see how far he's he's sort of drifted away from that confidence that he has when he is in form. Yeah, I just want to add one thing as we move on to the rest of the Premier League. Uh, people need to remember this, especially Tottenham fans, especially those that were expecting some kind of magical entertainment wonderland with Nuno. That's not him. That's not who Nuno is. You go back to his games with Wolves, very good defensively, relying on the counterattack, relying on the strength of Raul Jimenez and Traore. It's exactly the same blueprint with Tottenham. And when Harry Kane's not working out and Son is like kind of being a little sporadic, it's going to be the same thing. You get what you buy. That's exactly what Nuno is. Now, to your point, it's not totally Nuno's fault, but you got to remember something. This is not a manager that relies a lot on what he wants to do when they have the ball. And they got cut out yesterday. They got cut out. So I want to remind everybody that comments question. Will Nuno be in charge at Christmas? Why or and? How about an answer from our boys here? Very quick. I'm done. Not even an explanation. Yes or no, Joe Exotic? I'm going to say he's going to get the sack. Is that yes or no? I can't even. So will, he, will he be in charge at Christmas? No, he will not be in charge. And I feel like we've seen this. With, with managers, with Mourinho and Pochettino. So maybe the manager isn't the problem. That's what I wanted to add. There you go. How about you, Luigi? I think he will be in charge. I, and yeah. if, if they're not, I think that that's a bigger problem to think about with the board than it is on him. Yeah, very quickly, by the way, on Cavani, because uh, Cavani was very good. Uh, and only on Cavani uh, was talking about him and saying, uh, I've been here more or less three years as a manager. Tuesday's training performance by Edison Cavani is probably the best performance anyone has put into a training session. The old man led from the front. Uh, I mean, I know how hard Cavani works. Our producer Des is a big Cavani fan. What do you make of that, Luigi? Cavani was very good. A nice little triangle, him, Bruno, and Ronaldo, who I thought was excellent. Yeah, and I like the idea of him playing up with another striker. He obviously can't cover the same ground, but if you start with two players, and again, those are starting positions, right? That's pretty fluid in the way that those guys move. I just like putting him in the best spots. We saw Bruno Fernandes earlier in the year in Greenwood, the way that they were moving off of each other. That combination, especially if you're going to play with a defensive uh, kind of setup or formation, that, that system of play in the attack has to have those players closer together, and you put him into those good spots, and again, it just took one moment of Ronaldo feeding him through, and and you can see as soon as he's on that stride, you know he's going to finish it. And when you have a player that can finish 
with their one chance that they get. I think you you got to keep them close to the field. Obviously, as Jimmy mentioned earlier, it sucks for for the seven other world class players they have <laughs> on the bench. Um, but yeah, it's great. Yeah, I'm a big Cavani fan, so I don't have to. Uh, convince myself about his value. And, and when he's healthy, I think he's one of the top strikers in the world. And, and I say striker because we look at Rashford, Greenwood, Martial. I don't know if the strikers, Jaden Sancho is really their best spot. This is actually a guy that knows how to play the striker position. And what I think really helps you building your team around Ronaldo. So whether you love it or not, if the guy's going to play, you got to figure out a way to get the most out of him. And when Cavani, what Cavani does really well is runs off the back shoulder of the center back. So he helps stretch the defense a little bit, which then allows for me, in my, my humble opinion, as Joe Exotic, to, to have Ronaldo kind of pick his spots as to when he wants to come back and check for it. And actually when he wants to maybe get a little bit closer to Cavani to either win the second ball or play off of him in a different way. And then there's a bigger gap, I think, for Bruno Fernandes to do his work and you can get your width from Luke Shaw and Juan Bissaka. It kind of works out nicely if it continues to play out this way. So we'll see how the rest of the week goes. But yeah, Cavani for me is super important. And if Rashford wants to come in, anybody else has to come in, they're going to have to do some of that thankless work by running the channel so Ronaldo has more time and space on the ball. Same with Bruno. Well said from Joe and Luigi and all Man United fans care about at this point is three points. And that's exactly what they got. Hey, by the way, Joe Exotic, Luigi and Larry, David, keep those comments rolling in. We want to hear from you. The comment section is a blank canvas. Paint it with your hot takes, questions, complaints, shout outs. And while you're there, click on that subscribe button. We want to hear from you. All right, let's talk about, uh, by the way, Des, let's put that table up on the screen so we can look at some other results, including Manchester City and Liverpool dropping points. Patrick Vieira came to City and delivered a great performance and they beat City and Liverpool. You thought it was going to be good at the beginning and Brighton just kept on plugging away. So the winner there, I guess, is Chelsea. Uh, of course, we'll talk about them in a second. But what do you make of uh, Liverpool and City dropping points there, Joe Exotic? They, they, you know, we thought it was not necessarily a sure thing, but the way that they were going, we think uh, it was going to be hard for Brighton and Palace, but that did not happen. No, I'd say that uh, Laporte helped out Crystal Palace quite a bit. Um, gave a bad pass. It led to the first goal by Zaha. Great to see him back in the starting lineup and scoring. Harsh and then, red card there. A bit of a harsh red card, but also no. I mean, he kind of pulls a Tim Melia, if everybody knows what the hell I'm talking about, for a goalkeeper from Kansas City who did the that to roll down. Kind of armbarred him, you know, Sergio Ramos style. Uh, did a little wrestling move there. He would have been in. I think Zaha would have been in. So the red card was pretty quick, but I thought it was warranted, all things considered. Laporte, bad, bad defensive positioning. I think get himself caught by somebody he should know is looking to do that. So, so even City though, with ten players, you think they're pretty good. They're pretty good with ten players. They probably could outplay a lot of the teams with nine. But I just thought Crystal Palace from that point on didn't sit back. They, they, I mean, a little bit, of course, but they. They also tried to pick their spots and, and attack, and got, I think Connor Gallagher has been fantastic for them. He scores the second. That game's done and dusted. And, and I think with regard to Pep Guardiola, they're now in their own little crisis at the moment because they just got bounced from the League Cup as well, a competition they won for four straight years. So I don't know. I'm not actually all that worried about City, but for them to lose back-to-back -back games is quite a rarity. Yeah, for me, the, the main thing the, that uh, I was impressed with is we were obviously joking that, or at least I was joking, that Crystal Palace <laughs> were going to be the team that, that uh, got relegated on with 30 draws this season. Uh, but they have played really well for long periods. Again, they got a ton of help by Laporte but, uh, being sent off, but they were already up 1-0. They got that early goal, mm -hmm. and they were going 
punch and runs. Obviously, Phil Foden was playing up top in that false nine. Kevin De Bruyne didn't really particularly have a great day either in terms of his passing. You know, he looked they looked off the pace. And it's weird when you see City who are so good at passing and understanding the pattern play and knowing where the exit is and where the out is and how to get to the other side and unbalanced teams. It didn't look for like for, for long periods, it didn't look like they were on the same page and they were going to have to scrap out perhaps a 1-1 out of that in the first place. I didn't see them really uh, coming back and scoring multiple goals because they just didn't really have that rhythm. And then obviously with the red card, changed everything for them. So I'm happy for for, for Palace because their position in the table, uh, I think, is uh, should be better than where they're currently at. So uh, to get those three points could be a, a changer for them. Obviously had some great circumstances that fell their way, but to be able to fight through that against, as Jimmy said, a 10-man uh, Man City side is better than probably half the teams in the league uh, at 11. Uh, it's just a great result. Keep that like button, by the way. Keep on pressing that like button. We want to hear from you as well. Let's uh, talk about Arsenal for a second. Still remain undefeated. Luigi smiling. I'm surprised he didn't come as Mario. Get that red as well. But Luigi is smiling. Arsenal doing their thing. They really, really look good. Really good against Leicester City. Continue to uh, climb up that table, by the way. So uh, right back at you, Luigi. Your Arsenal continued to do well against uh, a very good win against Leicester City. Yeah, and again, there was something about the energy in this team right now that, I'm, that, I, that I have a ton of respect for. And it wasn't so much about the energy and excitement overall in the game, but it was willingness to, to be first to the 50-50s. You know, when you look at the ball that dropped down to Smith Rowe that he finishes, it's just that sort of momentum where it feels like they're playing downhill at the moment where they get to everything first, they win the tackles, they, they, they spring out quickly, and it just seems like they're thinking a half step faster than, than their opponent, which is something that I complained about for them for a long time, is just being late and last everything, almost like they were trying to play too pretty or respected uh, weren't respecting the game enough. And so this sort of scrappiness is starting to create their own luck where you know they go into challenges and the ball pops up to them, or you know a, a bad pass and they're picking it off and they're going to go and creating chance. So overall, I think it's just a, a really good, uh, Arsenal side, and they're not great, but they're just very good, and we're starting to see some consistency out of that. And if you can be good constantly uh, with the quality of players that they have, you know, they're going to keep on climbing the table. Yeah, when I think about consistency in that word, I think Ramsdale is providing that for them in goal. He obviously made some world-class saves in this one. I thought One of the best performances all season by a goalkeeper, right, Joe? No question. I mean, I just think that when you want to have that sense of belief or if you're on that type of role and that momentum that Heath is talking about, when you have a goalkeeper behind you that's making those types of saves – it helps continue to propel that momentum on both sides of the ball. And, and that's maybe what Man City, just to throw them back into the conversation, didn't have. Ederson didn't make that save on Zaha's shot when he should have. And obviously that might have changed the whole, the whole flow of the game. I do want to give a shout out to the young players who are stepping up. Uh, Bukayo Saka had on his 100th appearance for Arsenal in all competitions, he had his 21st assist. That's more than any other player uh, over that same amount of time. That, that he's been playing for the club. Pretty good. Pretty good. And then you have Emil Smith-Rowe, who has uh, his fourth goal of the season in all comps. And all of, those have, all of those have come in the last seven games. And he had the same number of goals in 33 games last season. So you got these, not only do you have everything that Heath has described, and you got a hot goalkeeper, but you got your younger players that are starting to show some of that consistency. And that only bodes very well for Arsenal as they move forward to try to get back into European competition for the next season. Well, Arsenal are sixth in the table, 17 points joint with Manchester United, only three points away from uh, Man City and West Ham, by the way, who keep on climbing. Now they're in a Champions League spot as we speak, convincing, destroying, annihilating Aston Villa for one. And so that 
by the way, as we look at the table, Chelsea, Liverpool, City, West Ham, Manchester United, Arsenal. Final thoughts from the Premier League before we move on. How about you, Luigi? No, only that it's uh, one of the more exciting times heading into this time of year. There's not one clear and out favorite. You're seeing Liverpool drop points, a team that I didn't think would would drop points again uh, for the next uh, for the next eight months in the way that they're attacking and beating teams. Uh, and so, yeah, just an exciting an exciting period for me within the Premier League. Yeah, I just jump on that and say Virgil Van Dyke still not at 100 percent for me. I don't think he looks as sharp as he can. Liverpool dropping a two goal lead at home, even though they had quite a few beautiful goals called off in the second half to maybe uh, get all three points. There is something of a question mark there. And then I want to give a shout out to Reese James. You know, I thought he was fantastic against Newcastle. What a banger! And, and yeah, banger. he scored a couple bangers. You know what I mean? Two. Just showing that promise. And I'll say this: that that if Manchester United start to veer into this new, you know, new trend of tactics with three center backs and 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 two wing backs, I don't know if Juan Bissaka is going to be the answer in that spot. I think they're going to need somebody like a Reese James moving forward. So keep your eye on that. I want to give a shout out to Rafael Varane who came back after three weeks, and I feel like he's a, such a calming influence to that Manchester United defense. So if they want to win anything of consequence, he's got to stay healthy for the whole season. Yep, and helping Manchester United uh, keep a clean sheet in that win against Tottenham. So there you have it. That's your Premier League for the weekend. We're going to take a break. But if you're watching on YouTube, that literally means we're coming back in half a millisecond. We'll be talking about Barcelona, Serie A, much more. If you're listening on pods, it's a little longer break. But we will be right, right back with our Weekend Rica Halloween special. We'll see you in a minute. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast wherever you get your podcasts. On May 23rd... I want to go back to normal. What's normal? The Paramount Plus original series, Evil Returns. We've already hunted werewolves and demons. And now what? A baby antichrist? <laughs> Prepare yourself. You will not beat us. For the end. I have visions of hell. Make it stop. Make it shut up. You're not gonna survive this. Evil. The final season. Streaming May 23rd. Only on Paramount Plus. I told you we'd be back super soon. Thank you so much for being part of the show. Make sure that you subscribe, hit that like button, smash it. I don't know, whatever you got to do, but make sure that you stay with us. I mean, don't smash it too much. I don't want you to break it. But we continue our weekend recap. Let's talk now about Barcelona. Uh, well, first of all, the Super Clubs asterisk, the Super Clubs in turmoil, Barcelona and Juventus. By the way, the first one is Barcelona and Alaves. They tied one all. Sergio Aguero, by the way, was admitted to hospital in that game with cardiac issues. So uh, our best thoughts to him as he uh, recuperates. Uh, the shabby latest, by the way, is that outside the club said in response to what's circulating recently, you know, management reaffirms that Xavi has a two-year contract, et cetera, et cetera. But all arrows are pointing for Xavi to soon make this move. As for Verona and Juventus, Verona went 2-1. Simeone, Gio Simeone, that is. Six goals in two games. Six career goals against Juventus as well. Incredible. And the top four finish for Juventus is in serious doubt. I would say top six right now. 
is in serious doubt. So thoughts from those two clubs, Barcelona and Juventus, two big, big clubs, historic clubs, and they are in trouble, Joe Exotic. Well, I would say Juve feels like they're in a better spot because they actually have a manager with a ton of experience that, that, I mean, feasibly knows what he's doing. He's already proven that in his career. Barcelona don't, though it does seem like Xavi's coming in. And what I'll say very quickly about Barcelona is that they've taken 16 points from their first 11 games of the season. That's their worst start at this stage in the three-point era since back in the early 2000s. So, yes. And that's the time when Xavi started to emerge. So maybe it's the perfect time for him to come back and help save the team. Memphis Depay, though, scored a banger against Alaves. I I think you have to build around him if he does come back in, obviously, and you try to figure it out. And if they can find some money to spend, you know, in probably next summer, then maybe they'll have a good team next year. This year, though, it's looking a little thin. I don't think they have the depth. I don't think their starters are are of that class of of Barcelona that we know. It's kind of like when you see... uh, Fellaini at Manchester United like nah he doesn't yeah I mean he's a good Premier League player but he's not a Manchester United player and I feel like when I look at Barcelona I see a lot of that he's he's okay he's solid but is he a Barcelona player and and they just have too many of those types of players out on the field I guess I'm thinking about Eric Garcia who just really has been unimpressive for me in (laughs) particular sorry I shouldn't have thrown him under the bus but I did I'm Joe Exotic everybody suck it okay (laughs) so Joe will hold no prisoners you like that pun I that's well I don't know that goes kind of deep now that he's actually in prison but I will say that 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 Barcelona, I feel like is still in a lot of turmoil. Whereas Juve, I, they were we were just talking about them being in this type of peril six weeks ago. Then they went on a nice run. Everybody was like, "All right, it's all good. We're, we're back to it." And now they're back un, under the gun a little bit. I think they just ran into a Simeone who's playing GOC up. Uh, Simeone who's just is just scoring bangers only right now. I, I guess he had a tap in, but but uh, six goals over his last two games and kind of the wrong time to catch uh, Hellas Verona. Yeah, Natalie Cross obviously saying that Javi might want to reconsider that Barcelona move. I, I I mean, I agree with that. I feel like perhaps, and and maybe I'm a little bit jaded just because of Serie A. We've seen so many legends go back to Serie A itself, and then they just get cycled out. They get their like one shot, and then they go to then they find their rhythm in like other clubs in Serie A or Serie B as as actual managers if, if they want to be managers. And so I'm a bit worried about him and his status as a legend of the club coming back during a time that it's really, really tough. But I know James Benj was really excited saying it was a a great time for him to to arrive at the club, to be able to rebuild those types of things and maybe pull back the philosophy and the belief around the club. And maybe that starts with, you know, La Masia and some of the things that need to be rebuilt or fixed there so that they're not losing that talent or potential talent to, to, to other academies around the world. But yeah, Barcelona for me was one that I looked at Kun Aguero being potentially an answer. So when he goes down, obviously missing most of the season, and once he's ready to play, obviously has this, this heart issue. I don't know what it is. I was trying to read a lot about it online, and people were saying it had happened before, and they were, you know, in the last couple of weeks, he had a little bit of an issue, or years ago, he had an issue of some kind, uh, and not not just not a great look. And then when I think about just sort of where he's at in his career, I started to think a little bit more realistically and say, well, what could he actually possibly do for this team and the quality that they have around? You know, he needs players that can run at him where he can spin off the shoulder and he can play in and out of spaces, one, two, get around the guy, quick diagonal runs and space. Cause he scores a lot of goals from, you know, difficult angles where he gets a slotted ball in a diagonal little this and that. And if he can't get into those spots, you know, he's not going to carry the team from outside the, the penalty area and things like that. So I'm wondering if he, if he was ever going to be the right answer, obviously with Messi, that's a completely different type of combination play between the two of them. But once he mm-hmm. leaves, mm-hmm. I, I, you know, maybe I was just putting too much on his shoulders of what he could contribute. And now with this issue, it just seems like, as Jimmy said, you look at it and you go, is this Barcelona quality? Is this Barcelona quality? And now you look at some of these players and you say, yeah, they are Barcelona quality, but 
you know, the person next to them isn't. And that doesn't, mm-hmm. that means that they're now not Barcelona quality. And you can't have a bunch of players that need players around them to bring them up to Barca quality. If you're going to have a bunch of individuals or not be uh, the team of the past, obviously they'll never be the team of, of, of Messi uh, ever again. And then with regard to Juventus, uh, you know, I still like the way that they're scrapping games. Just so you guys know, for anybody that didn't watch, uh, when Weston McKinney's on the field, Juventus won one nil. Uh, they lost that game. <laughs> they lost that game two one uh, though. Uh, when uh, overall, but no, that, that jokes aside, they, they again, Jimmy said it's an inform, uh, an inform goal scorer right now. But it doesn't excuse the fact that I think they still need to be able to find a way to consistently keep those runs going. If they're going to play ugly, if they're going to scrap out results, it's a good identity to have. But then you don't really get to have those off days that becomes the MO of the team. We've seen the Chelsea's of the past, Atletico Madrid, others that are just sort of like, this is what we do now. And now it's going to be up to this next game, the next match, the next couple matches in Syria for them to show that, yeah, you know, it's not going to happen every time. That's difficult to do, but we're going to bounce back. And the new us is going to win more than we're going to lose. Here's one for you. Is it probably maybe the fact that also these teams, these other teams uh, across both leagues are becoming more competitive. They're understanding the game a little better. Their seasons, their culture in both leagues. Like, look at Real Betis on one side. We talked about Fiorentina as well, kind of resuscitating themselves. So here's a question for you, everybody watching, comments. Which club is less likely to finish top four this season? Juventus, who are right now ninth with only 15 points, or Barcelona in La Liga, who are also ninth, with 16 points. Uh, and I'll throw that question to the boys here, but answer in the comment section, which club is less likely to finish top four this season? Juve or Barcelona? Joe, what do you think? I'm going to go Barcelona. I have them finishing third in their Champions League group. I thought they're going to drop into the Europa League. That could still happen. They got Dinamo Kiev uh, this upcoming week in Ukraine. Obviously, we'll have our per- per- Champions League preview, excuse me, for that one uh, coming up on a future pod. I think that Juve have the ingredients mostly to have success. They've added some pieces. If Chiellini and Bonucci can stay healthy, I think that makes a difference. Uh, But they've given up a lot of goals, and that's very unlike Juve in a lot of different ways. I'm seeing a stat here where they've conceded 15 goals in their first uh, Serie A, in their first 11 Serie A matches of the season for the first time since 1961-62. And that, it has to hurt them, I feel like. And Allegri, I mean, if I was the coach, I would take that personally. That, that whatever I'm doing in training isn't working to kind of shut that down, that side of the ball, when they have plenty of players that can go out there and put in a shift to get a clean sheet. And I know the Chesney wasn't great to start the season, but he's been okay since then. And, and now you just got to get that side of the ball. And then almost, this is, sounds crazy, and I can't believe this is even going to come out of my mouth, but... Well, you're Joe Exotic. I, uh, you can say anything crazy. That's true, that's true. Allegri, I feel like, should act like Carol Basket. I'm just kidding. Allegri should look act like uh, Ole Gunner and almost... Maybe, maybe try to add one more piece to your defensive side so that you make sure you've tightened that up so you can kind of go forward. He did it in the Champions League against Chelsea, and obviously it worked to great effect when they won 1-0. He might have to do that domestically as well because I do think that they have the, 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 the talent to go forward, but there's just something amiss with this team. And until they can unlock that, I think they'll get top four, but I don't think they're going to be challenging for the Scudetto. Well, Allegri has taken Juventus to an all-week uh, getaway training session, by the way. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see there. Heath, very quick. Luigi, Juventus of Barcelona, who's not getting a uh, top four? Weirdly, I, w- I would I would, want to say Juventus in this case, but I'm having trouble figuring out who the four would be, right? When I look mm-hmm. at because uh, I just think about Juventus and their competition for a title every year. But when I look at Roma, when I look at... 
at uh, AC Milan. Inter- oh, I guess maybe. Maybe. I'm going to go with – actually, I'm going to stay with Juventus on this one. I, I think Barcelona are, are the most likely, but I also think uh, there's a potential that Juventus don't finish in the top four. When you think about the teams that, that have stepped up, Napoli uh, in, that, in that context, AC Milan, Inter Milan. And then when you look beyond that, you've still got your Roma. You've still got your Atalanta. And I think uh, it's going to be tough for Juventus to get out of that pack. Uh, that a, that a fourth place finish, I think, would be the top for them, uh, but very well likely could miss uh, all of that. When I think about the team, though, it's just it seems old. They don't have that again that ability to stretch teams quickly. Yes, they do have a few pacey players. All those players are up there in age. When you think about Quadrado and others like that, they just like Jimmy said, need some of that fresh blood defensively. They need to have some of that blood uh, in transition as well. Uh, obviously, you have Bernadeschi, Chiesa, some of these players that can do these things, but. Uh, I'm, we're talking about Juventus here, you know, a, Juve, a, a dominant Juventus for a decade that uh, it just feels like they're at the end of an era and very much like us, like a Barcelona where they're just in this transitional phase that they've got to go out and find some differences. And and hopefully with with Ronaldo leaving, they have some wages or, or wage capabilities to be able to go out and spend. Well, let's uh, just update you with a little more roundup of Serie A. Uh, by the way, uh, Roma, AC Milan in the final minutes here and AC Milan lead. 2-0, Slatan Ibrahimovic powering his 400th club career goal. Uh, a great one as well. And then uh, Frank Kessie with a penalty, but Hernandez, Teo Hernandez got sent off. So they're just holding on with a 2-0 lead against Roma with a few minutes to go. Atalanta and Lazio drew to all. Let's have that table on the screen there. Oh, there's a good question here, or is that a comment? Bonucci and Chiellini been doing and slandering Ronaldo since he left. He was their top scorer and provided assists. Yes, I mean, Ronaldo leaving, uh, Ola is never going to be a good thing for anybody, especially when you're lying on him so much. So, But I think there's it's more than a Ronaldo absence here. Uh, if I'm being perfectly honest about Juventus, this is more of a collective issue where nothing really much is clicking. I mean, they're really not creating as much. They're a little boring. And when they're boring without being creative... This is what happens. Uh, Joe, I don't know if you wanted to add something before we carry on and look at this. Yeah, I mean, I think if you're going out of your way to slander somebody, it's probably because you care, you know, that it did. It did hurt you. It hurt you yet that you had spent all that time building something with this player. And then he decides to leave in a whim. And he made a good point. He said, listen, I'd rather Ronaldo said I'm leaving like at the beginning of the summer as opposed to like with a few days to go. Like, that's a good point. A hundred percent. So. Yeah, I just just wanted to add that with regard to any hey, Ronaldo matches, has a family to feed. He's got 19 kids. That's you, true. You got to go where the money is. There's a lot to unpack there. He might actually have 19 kids. You joke, but we just yeah. don't know what that guy. Hey, is. hey Joe, I'm surprised that at this point, <laughs> Joe, I'm really surprised at this point. You haven't slandered Carol Baskin yet. Uh, I, you know, I, I, I uh, if if I do, I, my sentence is longer. So I just got to be really <laughs> thoughtful about what I say here. I do want to add, though, Napoli have won 10 out of their first 11 for only the second time in their history. They are absolutely cruising. And and I like what I like about Napoli is that they're really balanced on both sides of the ball. And you got a yeah. whole bunch of different goal scorers. And then, obviously, Victor Osimhen, if they're going to win the Scudetto, he's going to be a big reason why because he's been so consistent in front of goal. Milan, fantastic under Stefano Pioli. We'll see if they can figure it out in Europe. Inter Milan, they had uh, Joaquin Correa score. He's been kind of uneven since joining Inter, I thought, from Lazio. But he's got a brace in this one, which I think is good news for that. Uh, Atalanta 2-2 against Lazio. So that was, a, that was a good game, by the way. Atalanta scored very late to make that 2-2. But, uh, yeah, this is it's crazy. And then Zlatan, i got to give a shout-out. He scored his 400th goal domestically. Of those 400 goals he's scored in his career domestically, 150 of them have been in Serie A. So I think it, it goes to show that he likes to score in Italy. 
What, yeah. uh, you know, one of the things I like about his game still is you see with most strikers as they get up there in age, they just become a traffic cone defensively, right? The game goes <laughs> past them and then they pop back in when they're ready to, to get say Ronaldo. In you don't yeah. have to say Ronaldo. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you could, you guys, you guys could ad lib that one. Uh, but, but he actually at least tries to shape the game a certain way with their press. And what I liked about this game against Roma and, and uh, AC Milan and Roma was that it seemed like it was very managerial. It was very tactical. They both knew how the other was going to line up, and then they spent the week trying to figure out how they could break that down. So knowing that Roma was going to sit back deeper, Milan seemed to have answers right away of just like, oh, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to beat it. And it's very rare that you see two teams, what I thought, especially in the first 30 minutes, doing well against a team that was setting up to beat them, right? In, in terms of like, oh, we know their tactics. They know our tactics. Usually that leads to one team sort of maybe not playing well. Both teams I thought were doing okay at the beginning uh, of that game. But AC Milan really seemed to, to be tactically sound in the way that they were pressing against Roma, allowing Roma to play square balls off of goal kicks and then pressing really, really well. Obviously, it led to a couple chances early on for Roma. But as, as Milan got their goal from, from Zlatan and, and kind of moved on from that, they just look very complete. and and. There weren't really any a whole lot of gaps. That some of those gaps that I saw last year, which just seemed like they were surviving and they didn't actually have the plan to to win a scudetto, uh, that they ultimately fell short of doing. This year seems like it's going to be a lot tougher for an Inter Milan or or a Napoli even to run away in early January, February from them in the table. Yeah, well, it's going to be a very competitive Serie as it continues. By the way, Nice Milan all but securing those three points. We'll uh, try and keep you updated, but it's almost done there. By the way, smash that like button and leave us a comment on Kegolas or YouTube. This show keeps on growing because you are part of it. So we want to hear from you, comments, questions, etc. All right, let's do a roundup of La Liga, Real Madrid, and Vinicius Junior. Not called up by Brazil. Vinicius Jr. hits another great performance. That's two goals again against Elche. Atleti with a very good win against uh, Real Betis. Real Betis have been doing their thing. 3 nothing against Betis. And the Bass Derby, uh, which is still going on, right? Uh, La Real against Athletic Club. But let's get that uh, table going there, Des, as we discuss La Liga. We already talked about Barcelona, but Real Madrid... Look at that. Real Madrid, Sevilla, Real Sociedad, obviously, as we speak, all 24 points. Atletico, 22. And then, as you can see, lower and lower. And Barcelona, nowhere near in sights. Any comments from here, Joe Exotic and La Liga? Yeah, I just want to give a shout-out to Vinicius. Uh, a little disappointed he didn't get called in for him in particular. He's got six goals so far in 11 La Liga games. That's the same amount that he's had in the last two seasons combined in La Liga. So fair play to this, this kid who finally is starting to I believe in himself in a way. I'm sure he always believed in himself. You have to, I think, if you play for Real Madrid. But but to the point where he's actually being effective. And, and I noticed body language. Like, when, when he played the previous seasons, if he tried to do something by himself, you could just see Benzema. Like, this guy will never pass me the ball. He throws up his arms like he's Thierry Henry playing for the New York Red Bulls. And that's a shout-out for Heath over there. And, and just you can sense the frustration for from Benzema. Now, when Vinicius does something, he's more often than not making the right decision at the right time. And that comes with age and experience and getting that repetition. And when you match that with the world-class talent that he definitely has, now you're getting to see the fruits of, of that talent and, and of that labor. Now, I do want to give a shout-out to Atletico Madrid as well. They had a tough game against Betis, as you can see in the table there. Betis was near the top. Mm. And, and Manuel Pellegrini... Really well. Manuel playing well on both sides of the ball. Manuel Pellegrini, well-organized. And I thought that was Atleti's best performance of the season. I thought Yannick Carrasco in particular was 
insane. I thought he was so good. And if they can continue to get that type of production from him, Joao Felix finally scored. It had been like, I don't know, 3,000 minutes since he scored something crazy in between goals. But when he comes on as a super sub and scores, they are tough. But they had their 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 back line. They got Jimenez, Hermoso, and, and Savage. All of them were healthy. And I think that made the biggest difference in terms of very similar to Varane joining United, where you finally have some people that know how to keep things calm and organized. And it really kind of just permeates through the rest of the team and all the lines of the team. And, and I know I'm saying that as a center back, so take that with a grain of salt. But I do think it's really important. And then when you have guys playing well on the attacking side of the ball, I just thought Atletico were lights out. So I just want to give them a shout out. I do want to say two things. Uh, one, Luis, when you roll those R's, it sounds like uh, that tiger over there. And uh, on, uh, <laughs> yeah, I just keep hearing every time you roll those R's for any of these Spanish Spanish clubs. And I got to say, you know, as the most Italian guy on this episode right now, you do roll, you do hit that, uh, those Spanish words a little harder than you do some of our Italian words. So, well, uh, Heath, I am, I am Spanish, if you remember. Yeah, so it is my I, first I, language. I got to hit it. Hey, I got to hit it every time. That's fair. I'll give you that. Uh, the, the other thing is score updates, uh, he, uh, Luigi. Look, uh, the score updates for, for yeah, we got one? El Shirawi, by the way, just scored for Roma. Uh, there's your R for you, oh, meaning wow. that Milan's just leading 2 1, a few seconds left, and La Real is leading 1 0 against Athletic Club de Bilbao. That's uh, Isaac with a penalty. Go ahead, Luigi. Oh, I mean, you just scared me there after I went on my monologue on, on AC Milan. <laughs> I thought you were gonna hit me with the whole guess what, man? Sorry, they got no chance now, they just gave up all three points. But no, um, you know, overall, it, it's funny. We talk about Joe Scally, for example, right? Guy got an assist for Munchen Gladbach this weekend, and he's played like 10 games. Uh, as like a, as like a professional and we're like get him into the national team immediately and we're right. talking about Vinicius Jr going from being a player at Real Madrid to being a world superstar and doesn't get a call up and it just shows you sort of the the depth that that certain countries have or in terms of uh you know fitting players in and just sort yeah. of how far we have to go with our with our US national team it just it just reminded me of that I remember I think it was Emmerich Laporte that I was doing some stuff with a couple couple years ago when he first got to city and he hadn't been in the national team yet and I was like here we are one of the biggest transfer defend, defender, transfer for a defender at the time. I think he was in the top three or something like that. Doesn't play on his national team and and is playing at Manchester City. And it just blew my mind, the, the just the depth of players and quality of players that we have. I know that's a little bit off topic, but I wanted to just to point that out, that it's you know it seems like a player like that. But when you look across the board in terms of who Brazil has in attacking options, they're obviously never going to be short on options. And if you're not a right fit or they don't think you've been informed long enough or for whatever reasons, it's a little bit shocking. Yeah, it's very difficult to argue against Coach Chiche. I follow Brazil, the national team, quite a lot, especially because of Conorbo qualifiers. And you can argue with him, obviously. Still, Brazil undefeated in the table, lead the group. Uh, but it's tough for Vinicius, especially when you bring in Coutinho and you, <laughs> and you completely don't even regard Vinicius Jr. He was part of the window last time around, but, but he saw less and less minutes. Hopefully, he will be part of the... World Cup squad because he definitely deserves it. As Luigi mentions, he's in a world-class category at this point, doing some great, great stuff. Game over, by the way. Sorry there, Joe, Roma fan, exotic. Uh, Milan win 2-1. Um, so there you have it. Slatan Ibrahimovic and Asa Milan continue to do well in Serie with uh, three points there. Athletic club down to 10 men, by the way. Inigo Martinez, second yellow card. We won't be able to uh, give you the final score on that one because we are nearly done, by the way. I want the final thoughts from both of these. Let's begin with you, Luigi. Give me final thoughts. 
Well, you know where I'm going to go with this. We are at silly season of Major League Soccer. I don't. Yeah, I want some MLS. If uh, if Jimmy's going to uh, go on this one as well, I'm not really sure what his final thoughts are. But we both been on this theme recently, just because. For the American fan, it's a perfect time to get into something. If you don't want to watch 34 games of the season, guess what? You can watch the 33rd and the 34th <laughs> to figure out who goes in the playoffs and if a team in your market is going on. And also, uh, you know, there's a really cool Detroit City FC is doing great things in in Detroit in the lower divisions, and they just hosted their first ever um, uh, black soccer clinic for the black soccer community there. And it was one of the first That's ones awesome. I had at scale. So I wanted to point that out and give a shout out to Detroit city FC uh, for doing that uh, this weekend as well. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. I just jump in and talk about MLS as well. I just want to give a shout out to the Red Bulls and Columbus crew who both got big wins to actually keep their playoff hopes alive. So we'll see what that ends up happening there. Uh, Zella Ryan. I don't know. Did he score on this one? I don't keep, he feel like he scores every single game, but uh, he only scores bangers. And it's so it's, yeah, the one before that, uh, uh, tender. It's, a, it's unreal. So there's some big games coming up to Heath's point. If you're going to give any shine to MLS, this is a great time to do it. There's a lot of intrigue and a lot of great narratives. And, and Also, Cade uh, Cal's goal. Cade Cal's goal, 18-year-old oh from the Central Valley, God, California, drives the whole, whole way down the pitch, swims through two players and finishes it, uh, gets the third goal in a 4-3 win. Uh, for San Jose over well, who's that? Real Salt Lake, I believe. Yeah, over Salt uh, Lake. Who are trying yeah. to get in? The, who are trying to get in the playoffs? So yeah, just uh, another storyline of a guy who just turned eighteen, a future national teamer. I'm sure for us was one of the players that we, if we go back six months, was linked with Barcelona and a bunch of other big clubs, and is having another solid season for for a teenager. Yeah, just really quick, Seattle and Sporting Kansas City tied on top of the table with two games left uh, in the Western. So getting that number one seat is important because you get home field throughout. Uh, Kansas City will play Austin and then Salt Lake. And then the Sounders got the Galaxy and they have uh, Vancouver Whitecaps on the last day of the season. So there's a lot to play for. Obviously, a lot of intrigue between those two particular teams after that Tim Melia slam on Christian Roldan. Uh, body slam that was. And uh, the fact they only got one red, uh, one suspension or a red card, which should have been at least two games, maybe even three, uh, was a little bit suspect or sus, as the kids say today. I love it. I love it. And that was our Halloween weekend recap. I hope you had a fantastic day weekend. I want to thank Luigi. What a great custom Luigi. A real mustache there, by the way. That's that's Luigi's actual tash. And a shout out to Joe Exotic, who, by the way, the entire episode, hugging and caressing his tiger. Never dropped him. It's once. my real mustache as well. Thanks. Uh, thank you, Larry. I appreciate it. Uh, is it? I love, it well, is. it's it a slanting a little bit. If it's real, it's uh You know what? It's a caterpillar. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Joe Exotic, thank you so much, brother. Thank you. Louis, <laughs> there he goes. Luigi, thank you. I, I couldn't, I can't get my gloves back on. So it's a good thing that we're ending because I keep having to take them off to type on the keyboard to look things up. And like, it's just, yeah, thank you. <laughs> oh, look, Joe is going away. Uh, Luigi can't take his gloves off. Thank you Larry, so it's much. Me. It's Jimmy. It's oh actually my God, me. It's Jimmy. <laughs> oh. Jimmy. <laughs> Amazing. Now you just look like Olivia Newton-John. Okay. Wow. He <laughs> went out of over. character. He went it's out of over. character and ruined the show. It's Daryl Baskin in disguise. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, thank you so much. Thank you for being part of the family. Hey, by the way, these two will be back on Monday as we have a real special fun USMNT uh, live recap show more information that tomorrow and it's a champions league week we'll have a preview recaps and so much more have a great great rest of your halloween and we will see you next time
You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.